0: Listening to First Contact, Stories of the Call Center, a podcast brought to you by Noble Biz, your all-in-one contact center solution. Every month our host Christian Montes talks to tech leaders and entrepreneurs who found their way into the contact center industry.
1: Welcome to episode two, season three of First Contact Stories of the Call Center. I'm super excited today for our guest, Richard Blank, who's the CEO of Costa Rica's Call Center. Now, look, for those of you who don't know him, at 27, Richard said, I'm going to leave the U.S. and I'm going to go to Costa Rica, and then I'm going to start to develop, build and train over 5,000 employees at one of the largest contact centers in Central America.
0: Richard, we're super excited to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Christian. I also want to personally thank your coworker, Anda, for making this possible. Uh, she really represents Noble Biz in the best light. I am very, very excited to be here with you and your audience today.
1: Well, thanks. And I think anyone who has met and worked with Anda probably can say the same thing. So we're super excited as she continues to make that well, work on everyone she works with. Now, with that said, Richard, um, if you know the story behind this podcast, It's really at first to be able to say, hey, look, not everybody uh, wants to work in the contact center space, but many people fall into it. I'd love to understand and share with our audience your
0: story. What
1: got you in, in the contact center space?
0: Well, it definitely started back in northeast Philadelphia when I was at Abington High School. My greatest class was in Spanish and I decided to double down on it. So I went to the University of Arizona and majored in Spanish and communication with an emphasis in public speaking, rhetoric, and nonverbal communication, micro-expression reading. I interned for Telemundo for two years and was working under Miguel Quitana and Pedro SevSek, which assisted me in my public speaking skills. And then post-grad, I worked for an importer of Corona beer. So in the Southwest Division of the United States, I did promotions, public relations, and I also did sales. So yes, at 27, I was given the opportunity to come down and work at a friend of mine's call center and do some training for his staff. And I decided to take that opportunity. And Christian, if you can get past your parents' guilt, you can pretty much live anywhere in the world. So I knew that it was time. And I molded my skills there, and I saw what was there. And from there, I decided to invest my time, my career, and my life in myself. I decided to start a call center after that. And Obviously, the long shot paid off. So this is where we are today.
1: Well, that's awesome. And one of the things that I've always found interesting is that leap that one makes to owning and running your own business, right? Were there any things that led up to that that inspired you that gave you the confidence or even just was able to make you feel like this is the next step in your journey? Were there specific moments or people that impacted that shift
0: in that moment in time that you could tell us about? Absolutely. It was the people that I worked with back in the day. When you are a telemarketer and you sit in a cubicle, sometimes you're considered a number. Sometimes you're considered a robot. Maybe you haven't been trained properly or given a good enough script or even sort of mentorship or direction. So I got to hear the gripes and the good and the bad times of being a call center agent. And I realized that they deserved dignity. And I realized that it's a Demanding job, but it's something that's very satisfying and it can become a career So when I was with these people, I realized also that fortune favors the brave and I once again was going to take my chance And I also sprinkled in a little bit of fidelity because if you don't love what you do And if you don't have passion for what you do, you really can't do it for very long. I usually got more disappointed Christian than I did angry I saw some amazing people with such skills that just didn't live up to their potential. And I also had people that were with me for years that all of a sudden didn't give a two weeks notice and just kind of disappeared without saying goodbye. So you need to have a strong heart. But I think what gave me the endurance to last this time was to have the empathy to understand where these incredible, talented, especially in my case, bilingual calls agents are are coming from
1: so richard i don't know you for a long time right but you come across as this genuinely passionate person that cares right that actually really wants to be invested in people now you have a a humorous side as well and a fun side and with that piece of it how do you balance the time as a leader in a business and still invest into all the people but then understanding sometimes you got to delegate How do you build a team? How do you get into this contact center and start building it up where you're not doing a hundred percent of anything? You got some insight from a leadership perspective. How do you keep that culture that you really just have it's infectious, but still believe not,
0: you know, be the whole person all the time. Correct. Uh, well, first you have to be humble. Once again, we have the experience of being a telemarketer, but second, I, I believe Christian promoting from within. I would rather have a freshman that's never worked at a call center before that's got the courage than a 10-year pro that comes in with terrible habits and might even become a cancer to the center and might actually jump from my center to another and unfortunately waste everybody's time. So when I see somebody that's driven, that has ethics, that can show up on time, that's coachable, that's uh, in good spirits, uh, someone that makes suggestions, These individuals to me are leaders, they're part of the proletariat, they speak for many. And I am from Philadelphia and Spanish is my second language. As much as I've been embraced by this culture, I also have to, as you say, delegate, I say more promote or even embrace the individuals that have invested their time and their efforts in in building this center. It's more thinking of it as the wind in my sails. You see the bricks behind me, my building is from 1958. We preserved 15 walls of them. I'm only as good as the bricks at Costa Rica's call center, and they're very strong. And I have foundation agents here that have been with me over a decade. And in this industry where there is a lot of rotation and a lot of opportunities, I believe people come to Costa Rica call center, as you mentioned, Christian, because of our culture, because of walking the roads and knowing your name, With personally coaching you prior to making a phone call to a client, I introduce myself to them and most of them say, you're the only one that's ever done it. And unfortunately, Christian, I might be the only one that ever does it. And maybe I might be the last boss they ever have. So maybe when they become a boss, they do it. Those are the sort of culture uh, things that we encourage here so people can break out of a certain shell and really start expressing themselves if they decide to invest in a career being a call center agent.
1: Yeah. And I mean, as we all know, it's not an easy job, right? It's a high yeah. amount of stress with very little control, right? You, you have a script many times. You have a path or a journey that's given to you, and there's only certain parts outside your personality and your your soft skills that allow you to shine in those interactions. Comparably to some other positions that you may have much more control of the interaction. And so inevitably there are times of conflict, right? Or friction. And in those scenarios that come up, can you share some uh, some approaches and insights of how do you come across looking at conflict, addressing it, and maybe even helping
0: others deal with it? Let me address it two different ways, Christian. I have to do it legally and empathetically. The first one is we follow all Costa Rican labor laws. So if something actually violates a labor law, that has to be taken into consideration first because we only have so much flexibility. But putting that aside, let's just say it's an internal argument between two agents, frustration, someone's speaking too loud, maybe someone's having a bad day. First and foremost, we don't cause a scene on the floor because everyone loves a scene on the floor. The fight in the lunchroom, best time. We separate them. We calm everybody down. We give people the benefit of the doubt. I like to listen to both sides. Um, We also, once again, incorporating the labor laws, but if it's not applicable, maybe they take a timeout. Maybe they walk around the block, go get some ice cream, maybe go play some pinball with me, just the vent. Then I let them feel a little bit guilty that they're better than that, and that it's out of character for them. And that I understand that potentially something may be happening outside of the office that I'm not aware of. A lot of these young men and women take care of their families. They have children. They have extremely large responsibilities now. So once again, I just don't see them as a number. So when they walk in, I realize that I need to recharge their batteries, Christian. So when they go home after working with me for a shift, they can uh, confront and conquer the sort of challenges that they may have outside of the office, which might affect their work performance here. I couldn't agree
1: with you more on being able to invest into your people right and to make sure that if they're able to be um invested into the business then that means they're invested into the outcomes of the business which means the communication they have and talking about communication we're starting to see a trend where companies and people want to adopt text-based types conversations right more email more sms more social media where that interaction starts to become different than the obviously in person stuff, but then on the phone, which is the dominant part of interactions. What, from a training perspective, do you have around how, uh, your staff works with one, your customers to set up the journeys? How much influence do you have, if any, to make those journeys better when it comes to when, you start maybe with the text interaction, you get to voice that you have less friction for those agents and representatives to have a negative experience. Because I think you've in the past mentioned, you know, nothing like having a horrible phone tree or a horrible text experience. And then next thing you know, you get to an agent and they're frustrated and they're upset. And now you just have this huge impediment for that representative to have a good experience. You got any insight into that journey that it can be improved or affected in some way or another?
0: Absolutely. I can solve it for you immediately. Just if you're on a live call, it's active listening. If you're doing omni-channel non-voice chat support, then it's active reading. If you're just going to be sending out templates to people by just saying Christian and then the template and then at the end, it's, it's not personable. You're not taking out things that are specific towards my uh, concerns. What you're doing is increasing my not-knowing, Knowing that it is a template, I don't even know if someone even read it. It could have been a computer that sent it back to me. So I think that if you're going to be investing the time, it's almost the same time, might possibly be more time if you're going back and forth and specifically trying to solve somebody's issue. My concern is once again, the vocabulary chosen is very cut and dry, black and white. There is zero empathy to it. The only times they say I'm sorry is when you're upset. And so I really believe if you're investing in omni-channel non-voice support, it should be from people with higher levels of writing skills so they can understand sometimes the expressions that people are writing in from, even if they're not even having proper grammar or even describing their situation in a certain way that these people have advanced skills to be able to guide them or possibly use deductive reasoning to find out what is going wrong. You're limiting me. You're giving me something where I can't quickly ask or feel what's happening on the call. So a lot of these things could be misinterpreted like bold cap. (laughs) You're yelling at me. So once again, someone could just be reaching out where I could be offended by that. So there's so much, too much misinterpretation on so many levels with non-voice support. I think it should be done at simple levels to gather information so I don't have to repeat it. And then I can pick up where I left off and they realize someone invested in them prior to the courtesy call. That's advantageous. But just not speaking to anybody at all and waiting 24, 48 or one week to get your information back, I'm going to go to another company.
1: So, Richard, I think one of the themes that we've come across in uh, not only the episodes that we've had for the podcast, but even our webinars has really been around engagement, right? How do you get the engagement from the staff? And you have these scenarios, as we talked about, with very little control many times, but high stress. From a training perspective, how do you keep the staff engaged, both and when you onboard them to get them productive, but keep them going, considering there's such high turnover in the industry?
0: It's done many different ways. Let me just start off with the psychology of selling. When they come into my call center, if they have experience or not, I discuss fear, which is a morbid anticipation of something that hasn't happened yet. By becoming bilingual bears the mark of higher education. They have shown me such structure and discipline and cognitive skills prior to even meeting me. So what they're about to do, what they learned is 10 times harder than what they're about to do. And so I have to let them know engage their sort of uh, comfort levels there. And the second thing that I want them to have is at least some sort of ethics on the phone. I'm in a very strict Catholic country, and I have to ensure, Christian, that these people go home and tell their parents what they do for a living. As proud as I am of all the new campaigns that come in, I'm twice as proud of those that I turn down. They must represent certain companies. The script must be done in a certain way where I can fulfill clients' needs and the agents will be able to do their job. So I think a lot of what you're referring to, Christian, and it is something that everyone's talking about, it's really about the relationship you have with the agent. If you give them resources that put them on a level playing field, if you invest in them properly with rebuttals, Right? And with certain sort of introductions and knowledge about the company that you're calling their fear levels get much reduced and so their attrition rate gets reduced as well because you create a certain culture where you might find one or two people in the group that are excellent, they're your ace, and so they sit next to them, they buddy up with them, they can Maybe we'll listen to some of their Hall of Fame recordings and pause it and explain to them some of the techniques that they might need in order to counteract a rebuttal or to get past a gatekeeper. Those simple soft skills that I believe would make more calls
1: effective. That's great insight and actually advice for those that when you think about it, I I, I can't tell you how many times I see scripts or I see even just the way people get prompted through ivrs where it feels like it's only a technical person or a person that does not actually have a lot of insight into properly being able to write something or understand the customer and it's not to say that there aren't people that do it well but there isn't that amount of time and effort put into it that at times takes into account it sometimes is robotic as you had mentioned now One of the things, Richard, that you've said before is, you know, we've talked about integrating rhetoric and phonetic delivery in trainings. What is the methodology
0: behind that that makes it unique? It's my favorite question and my secret sauce. And since you and I are friends, I'm definitely going to share it with you and your audience. So uh, it takes a lot of steps, but I'll break it out for you simply. I always believe the beginning of a phone call that somebody can start off the call by introducing themselves to where the company name, spike. If you get somebody on the phone, you mention the name of their company, that individual's name, and you might say it better than either the gate picker or the owner themselves. Uh, I also believe in introductions to gatekeepers or filters, like Anda for an example. My communication with you was from an email. After I listened to so many of your podcasts, I was inspired to write you, and Anda wrote me back, and if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here today with you. So when people think, well, you probably just got Christian directly, no, no, I most certainly did not. In fact, I communicated with Anna about four times prior to you and I reaching out on LinkedIn and then meeting today. Uh, Not like we weren't excited to meet one another, but once again, there are certain channels and individuals in organizations that are in charge of these things. So I learned a very big lesson with NobleBiz as well. I also believe that a positive verbal escalation is important. That's why in the beginning of the podcast, I made sure that everybody involved was thanked and, you know, once again, writing it. I think that would separate you from any other company that's contacting that individual and they will see how you work prior to a contract. So Those are the sort of initial soft skills that I would talk about in, let's say, the first 15 seconds of a call, especially when you have your anonymity in the beginning and you say the name of the company in a certain way, that sounds great. You can almost get somebody out of that. I also talk about a certain sort of balance in the call, and I follow through with phonetics. The simple form of micro-expression reading, you can usually read somebody's body language So since we don't have the luxury of sight here, I decided that our other senses should be expanded. I believe that we should expand our rhetoric in regards to our descriptions, and I also think our hearing should be expanded five times. On the phone, you can't taste, touch, or smell. So once again, you're in a controlled environment, it should be expanded, you just know how to tap into it. So this is the code that I think I cracked after 21 years in this industry. I have a phonetic tell sign that I would like to share with you, one that can be manipulated, but then I have the ultimate tell sign that I think is indisputable. Let's begin with phonetics. The first four sections of phonetics is tone, rate, pitch, and duration. The tone represents your emotion. In my opinion, it should always be confident and empathetic, like a doctor, like a lawyer, or your caring parent that will tell you that everything is gonna be okay. In focus group studies, you need a consistent variable to see inconsistencies. I believe that your tone should always be confident and empathetic. You should match the client when they're like that, but don't match them if they're uh, in a bad mood, they're angry, or pessimistic. Now, here's the part where you'd be able to uh, mirror image your client, I believe, and I brought some props today, pardon me. You like this? My third grade teacher would be proud. I gave you a simple XY chart because this is how we're gonna be working it. Your pitch here represents your speaking level. And you could be screaming at me, you could be whispering. Your rate here is how fast you speak and how slow you speak. And you can generally, it's like eighth grade pre-algebra. So this is the first age we pay attention to. Christian, just for argument's sake, let's just pretend that I'm at an eight here in regards to how fast and how loud I speak. And we're doing this in 30 second increments. Now here's the second stage, right? You have your XY chart here, but you also have answering speed. That's your backup there. I could be speaking like this and answering you like this. This is actually the greatest tell sign that you have. You can control your tone. You can control your pitch and your rate of speech. The one thing I believe subconsciously that you cannot control consistently is your answering speed. Why do you think the police ask you the tough fourth question just to see you don't curse anymore and scream? Uh, You're definitely changing your answering speed to them. So to me, that is the major tell sign. But I still pay attention to, and I can still do this uh, consistently with the work that I'm doing on the CRM. I could be active listening. I could be also typing. But after about three weeks of paying attention to this X, Y chart that you're doing to see if there's a spike or a dip, it makes habit. Why do I do this? Because sometimes you're not sure when to ask a tie-down question. Some people call it a pin-down question. A rebuttal or a confirmation question. Sometimes it's obvious. But sometimes someone will give you... The main goal of this, Christians, I don't know this individual with whom I'm speaking. So I'm able to at least deduct how they might be reacting, and when it would be necessary for me to interject and get some sort of confirmation to move forward. And so when I see either a spike or a dip in regards to how they are speaking backed up with the answering speed, that is when I do decide to ask a tie-down question by saying, Christian, does this make sense? Sounds good, right, Christian? Or um, even the rebuttal, if you could see doing this, then you could see moving forward, correct, Christian? or even a confirmation. You like that, don't you? (laughs) So uh, I believe that for individuals that are just starting out in telemarketing or even seasoned professionals, I think you could use this from time to time in your performances, that this will at least give you a focused group controlled study, 30 second to two minute attention span, understanding the, the theory of no, now, no, no, now, no. We have conditioned stimulation. A lot of the times when you walk into a store, someone will ask if you would like something, we're conditioned to say no. People are on the phone. Christian, if they don't hang up on me, I'm still in this thing. So no to me represents size, strength, and strategy. What's their size? Are they screaming at me? What's their strength? Are they interrupting me? And what's their strategy? Are they pausing on me? All right, I see what you're doing, so no, Turns into now, your balance, I know how to talk to you. For 10 minutes? No. But for this next 30 seconds, like the next round in a boxing match. And I believe that if you have this sort of structure in the back of your mind while you're working on your job, You will see these certain tell signs that will enable you to prolong conversations, to be able to eliminate any sort of rebuttals. If you ask open-ended questions compared to closed-ended questions, you could possibly stack answers where instead of saying, do you like ice cream compared to what type of ice cream do you like? You get both answers on that, and you can upsell on double scoops and jimmies on top and all that good stuff. So, I teach people to reduce talk time by stacking questions, by reducing any sort of doubt, by doing a two to one active listening, one speaking, almost two for one in the beginning of the calls. So, at least in the form of Wu Wei, you are able through least resistance to move this call forward. All I'm doing is kind of with you in your current. And I believe for especially entry level telemarketers, this will greatly reduce their fear of the unknown, of making these calls, because they all are expected to be Blake from Glen Gary, Glen Ross, and be able to close on the phone in front of everybody, and, and they shall, and they will, but I also believe that that takes time. Christian, it took me 21 years to get here today. I, After working at the call center, I saw that the way people were treated and the conditions, and October 4th of 2007, I put my website out there. And February 6th of 2008, I closed my first deal. One seat, 50 hours. But I did it. I did it. And you know when you've shed a skin and you know a coming-of-age moment, and I might have gotten it 35 compared to being 18 at Abington High School, but... uh, I knew something was different and so your question earlier about why I'm doing this is because I love what I do and obviously something happened that day to let me know that I could create something from nothing and from that day, I am now sitting here with you telling amazing tales of my twists and turns and how I got here. So, um, please don't misconstrue any sort of uh, sincerity right now for Uh, it's just passion. If you are sitting in my shoes, this one-in-a-million shot from Northeast Philadelphia, living in Costa Rica, and starting a company with his wife, Grace Verbone and building it to where it is today, and being with you Christian and Noble Biz, it's it's overwhelmingly humble. So I'm thoroughly enjoying this time that I'm having with you and your audience today.
2: This is James. James is a contact center manager with a passion for philosophy and hiking. As a kid, he made a promise to himself that he would always follow his passion. Today, he ponders on the thought that this promise is probably the best decision he ever made. Today, James loves his job, just as much as he loves hiking, so much that he sometimes brings the scent of fresh pine and the tranquility of the mountain streams back to the office with him. With Nobel Biz as his company's provider, James found the necessary peace of mind to finally bridge the gap between his passion and his work. By choosing to partner with the promise-keeping voice and software provider of the industry, contact center technical issues, downtime, and poor customer experience are now a thing of the past. In an industry ruled by uncertainty, Nobel Biz combines balanced pricing with the highest quality topped off with outstanding support. But above all, Nobel Biz delivers peace of mind to contact center managers and owners. And for the first time, James hit that sweet spot of focus and confidence that is allowing him to take his business to new heights of profitability and success. After all, you know what they say, promises are the uniquely human way of ordering the future. Nobel Biz, the promise keepers of the industry.
1: Well, Richard, a lot to digest there, right? There's so much that you said that really someone has to understand and break down in training and the day-to-day interaction and continuous learning, right? It's not something where you sit in a class for five minutes and, oh, great, you've taken Richard's wonderful class. You're good to go. Be free. And now you can go fly, right? Um, There's got to be this continuous learning, continuous reinforcement, this part of the journey that doesn't just start and end with the first week or the first month, right? It is truly the life cycle of you being part of the business and being part of that growth that you say of promoting from within. But with that said, that culture that you really just, you can tell that passion is just dripping and anybody that's around you is catching some of it. <laughs> you, you, you look back and go, okay, you have COVID, you have this pandemic, you have people working from home. How does, right the business, how do you continue to have successful interactions, happy customers, engaged employees They can do what you're talking about here, knowing that their work environment's different, they're not always in the office?
0: Tell us about that. We've opened more communication channels with them, but prior to sending them home, and we expected this with COVID, so we had all of our computers ready to go like life rafts. We had to ensure that their home environments had the least amount of distractions, were up to speed, um, so they'd be able to work with us. Also, in addition, if something does happen in their home in regards to internet redundancy, electricity, or IT support, they live within about a half an hour of my call center, so they can come here immediately and be on a turnkey station. But there's isolation, we have the camaraderie here when we break bread together in, in the game room and train. But we have opened the channels, and all my supervisors and co workers do write back and forth to each other for motivational quotes. But it also has a plus side. They spend more time with their family, they save money. It's, I have not seen a dip in any sort of performance or metrics. Um, the only thing I see is a disruption, very rarely, but it's only a certain section of the city that might have it from time to time. But I try to get them to stay focused, and one of the things that I ask them to do is to pay attention to the Me Too technique, because when they're with people on the phone, and unfortunately you might hear a distraction in the background, like a dog, like a child, or music, they could uh, inadvertently and passive-aggressively tell them how much they love dogs, children, and in-excess music, and get them to uh, focus, close a window, or do something in order to stay more focused with the client. Because working from home, not just for us... It's for the clients as well. So all of us have to adapt to a changing environment and take all of those things at home into consideration. But I reach out to them. I let them know that I'm there to support them. Oh, what I do do is then if they're not on site, I will listen to their recordings myself after going to my quality assurance department and making sure their KPIs and metrics are where they need to be. I'll listen to a call, so all of a sudden I'll say, Christian, I think you sounded great with Mrs. Jones last Thursday, and I'll tell you why. And then you'll realize once again that I invested the seven minutes to hear how amazing you were on the phone, and I will always make a suggestion because I always have to say something. And so uh, they thank me, and they realize that once again they might not be with me physically, but mentally I'm always thinking about them, and hopefully from time to time they're thinking about me as well.
1: Well... I don't know where you find all the time, right? Everyone always says there's never enough time for the leader of a business to be that involved in such granular level tactics and pieces of the business. But obviously you do find the time. And part of Of that, though, you also found time to really invest into gamification, and it feels like that's a big part of the business. What is the importance of
0: gamification
1: in your business and how has it helped really get the outcomes
0: that you're looking for, if any? I'm so happy that I have the space for my 13 pinball machines and my six racolas and air hockey tables. So um, it's really, I grew up in the 1970s and 80s and everybody wanted Silver Spoons game room. So when I came here and I started earning some good money, I was able to find some antiques in Costa Rica. And all of a sudden, a hobby became an obsession. And so I'm constantly collecting, once again, pinball machines, old school, original arcade machines that sometimes I convert. Why is this important? Because today's generation loves to look at Facebook, Instagram, go outside, have a cigarette, or just be by themselves eating lunch. And so, A, some of these machines are older than they are, and B, it gives them a chance to meet people from other departments that they might not have met before. And even my own uh, I like to spend time with them in the game room. So instead of being in my office where I'm grilling them or intimidating them, we can politely compete. And so once again, that culture where when they walk through the game room to go upstairs or to leave the call center, they have to pass through the game room. And a lot of times people will play one quick game of Pac-Man before they go home. People will less likely to leave when you have a good friend that you play Mortal Kombat with. Some people will definitely invest their balance of eating and the game room. They'll eat 15 minutes and run into the game room for 15 minutes. And so um, I've seen a lot of people that have never experienced this before, especially the old school retro gaming, uh, to get a kick out of it. And so once again, it's introducing them to something new. But recess was always the best class in school. And I believe that the best relationships are formed through play. And I think if they're off the phone, but they could still be competitive, there's no downtime there. It's just a shift of their head into another form of mental time. And if you're doing something with hand-eye coordination, you might even be more prepared for the second half push of the day. And I've seen people let off steam in the game room, and I've seen people get picked back up in the game room. And I've seen people even fall in love in the game room. <laughs> you know, when a guy wants to be smooth. And so all the good things happen in the Costa Rican Call Center game room. Well, Richard,
1: it's funny you mentioned about space and Pac Man because, um, you know, obviously I don't have a big office for a full thing, but maybe you can see my little miniature Pac Man here of my own little <laughs> arcade game. And it's funny because I don't play it often, but the idea of it, you know, having that moment of fun and that nostalgia and having something that's retro. Uh, there's some fun stories about it, right? You can go back and go, I remember the first time I played that game. Or, oh gosh, I remember this game. And you understand that that experience, so it's great. Uh, but when it comes to the interactions themselves, when the representatives and agents are in their engagements with customers and with the the, the selling and the, the, the day-to-day interactions outside of the game room, do you see a place for gamification as part of that part of the business, where the actual interactions of contests or games that are part of the work versus a place to disconnect or to um, engage other people. Do you see that part also important? Do you do anything in that space?
0: Well, absolutely. Um, As I say before, you can integrate gamification with a call structure. It's not like you're going to be playing on the phone, but I think it's a good form of, um, you know, turn taking. I think you're expected to extend a pause when you're waiting for something to happen in the game and your mind has to prepare for the next move. Like in chess, you can plan, You can also plan three steps ahead on a call. Um, here's a good technique for you. A lot of the times when you're on the phone with somebody, they might give you a negative three answer. Like, who are you? What is your company's name? and Why are you calling? And a lot of the times the agents will answer in a certain way where you're like in a director's office getting yelled at. And so I think anytime someone gives you a minus three answer, you can play the game of the plus three answer. You can buffer it. You can filter it. If someone says, who are you? Oh, Christian, I'm so glad that you asked my name. My name is Richard Blank. (laughs) So you could take it from a 10 to maybe a four. So if you want to play a game, we can play a professional game. I can play the game of minus three plus three as an example. So at least they realize instead of acting because things are moving so fast on a phone call, they're more reacting. And so if I can give them a bag of tips and tricks and things that they can do as transitional sentences or by potentially reducing any sort of ego defense mechanisms that these clients may have on a first time call. These are the sort of games I think we can play where a it won't um, insult the client. And I think our numbers will be better because once again, they will find their zone and their rhythm when they're hitting every shot.
1: Understood. One of the things that you've said before is nobody guarantees time. You have to earn it. You've also talked about the 30 second rule. I know we've elaborated a little bit on some of the secret sauce that you were talking about earlier, but why 30 seconds and you know, what do you have to do to earn
0: that time? You have to be sincere and you have to have no surprises. If you want to use a technique, then I would listen twice more than speak. So at least you can lead the conversation. I might survive 30, but if you're asking me to speak, I think you should do one or two things. I always believe in name drops to at least keep your attention. So I would say Christian, the next point I'm making. If you're not going to say Christian five times in one minute, then I think you should focus on pronoun, especially your and are, because it's the cousin of the name drop. Do a four or five to one. So at least every sentence I can say your and are and do about a quarter second slide on that. I can't see you. I can't see you nodding right now, I have to ensure that my communication and the best words to use is your name or the pronoun, which is still you, to keep your attention for the 30 seconds because we're going to zone out. I mean, we've been almost conditioned to listen to things in sound bites, so at least what I'll try to do is bring you in, ask you the question and tie it down. There's no way someone's going to give you 10 minutes. We're all busy, but how many times has someone said, I'm in a rush, I only have a minute. Next thing you know, you're on the phone for 15 minutes. So I'll take 30 seconds. And what I will try to do once again is to allow you to lead the conversation. I will make suggestions. I will actively listen. I will be your greatest fan but I will also do a form of manipulation in order for you to once again control this conversation. I will just be the rudder moving you along by matching your pace so I know when to ask you a question or keeping my mouth shut. You know what someone's favorite move is? The pregnant pause. You see it in every movie. And most telemarketers when they're not sure, they'll jump the gun and ask the question. So that to me, if you're at that stage, um, one thing I'd like to share as well, and this, I think, will answer all of your questions in regards to my main focus in regards to running a call center. Quality assurance is graded on so many KPIs, depending on the client in the form of the speech. I give the most points, Christian, when the client says your name. The simple structure of a conversation is an introduction, a body, and a conclusion for anything. Introductions, we're introducing conclusions, we're confirming. If the client says my name in the body of the call, I hit Nirvana, I got it, I nailed the bullseye, but you didn't get the sale, don't need to at the moment. The man or the woman knows me and we can reduce so many different levels. I can stumble if I have to, I can get excited if I want to, we can talk about Billy's baseball game and your promotion that you just had or the company anniversary for a second because I don't feel like I'm angling a call or stuffing something in there. I believe that anybody has the chance to make that connection and it just doesn't have to be in an office environment. It could be at the supermarket. It could be at the library. It could be anywhere. If someone, If I make such an impression where someone says, Richard, nice to meet you. It's a pleasure. I did my job. And then the rest just comes from that. You slow it
1: down, right? You, you, you're so methodical in the way that you approach this. And I think that gives to other people who are trying to find something that may be, like you said, scary or difficult. It makes them go, OK, I can take this in bite sizes. I, it's maybe even possible right? Versus this overwhelming thing where you go, Oh my gosh. And then you add the pandemic on top of that. You have isolation. You don't have that camaraderie. You don't have the game room. You don't have that interaction with you, Richard, to be able to tell you like, Hey, here's the, the eye to eye facial expressions, me nodding my head that you mentioned that's happening. So what is it during the pandemic, right? When that hit outside of the fact that you had the connectivity things you had to make sure you had and being able to have more communication channels, but Has there anything positive that's come out of it from the business of what you've learned about the people, the leaders in the company, you, or what you have done to be able to continue to, like you said earlier,
0: still be as productive as you were before? Allow me to be forthright. I saw some individuals that stepped up to the plate and really showed me who they were amongst chaos. And then I had people that I depended upon that I thought were going to really lead by example, and they disappointed me so. And I also had to adapt myself to a changing culture. And so before doing anything COVID-wise, I wanted to focus on myself. So I get up at 5.30 every day and I go to my home gym. I do my cardio, weights, abs, and I hit the bag. And I also put down a very good breakfast so I can keep my health. I also promote juice and vegetables, but we'll go to that on another day. I put on my suit, so I like to dress for myself and the people with whom I work with. And I also, if available, drive to work in a convertible. And on my way to work, I like to call my parents and wish them good morning. And that's what I do prior to coming into the call center so I can get myself ready. I will go immediately to the security and make sure anybody on site is okay and that they showed up and everything's good. I will touch base with every supervisor to make sure everyone's logged in and that their top KPIs or key performance indicators are there from the talk time, hold time, uh, idle time conversions. I'll go to the quality assurance department just to make sure everyone is where they need to be. And, you know, it's a 10,000 foot level. And then, you know, I love just walking the rows with the limited agents I have here. I had to send more than 50% of my agents to their homes. We average about 30% here. I keep people here for PCI compliance, onboarding new agents, problems at home coming here, and just in case of buffer level. But I remember when those rows were packed, row after row, and I would just stop and listen to someone's call in the middle of it and give them a thumbs up and be so proud and just keep walking, and um, that's the best side of my business. I know there's a glamour to it, and and you see all the bells and the whistles, and trust me, there are jukeboxes and candy machines and all the good stuff, but to me, being a boy that turned into a teacher and then a teacher into a mentor when I still see myself as the 18-year-old kid in Philadelphia dreamer of having that adventure one day and being a poet and doing something that potentially could feed families and change the world. And so walking those rows, I was getting that energy back from the people because they were putting into their project as much as I was giving to them. And so we had that sort of connection, which I lost with COVID. As much as I try to connect with them at home, when you are standing next to somebody in that moment, unless you've worked at a call center, you can't explain it. And so um, that's the one thing I believe that got taken away from me during this COVID.
1: Sounds like that has not been easy for you. So how do you deal with it other than, uh, you know, your days in the convertible? Anything specific that you've been able to do with that time (laughs) or to still be able to have some connection like that outside of the, the recordings you listen to? I mean, is there anything that you do for yourself or even in leadership that allows you to uh, continue that passion that you have, knowing that you don't get to have those moments of joy and pride
0: the way you did with those filled. Well, here's here's the interesting thing. I'll get on Zoom calls with my agents, and this will be the first time I ever get to see what's in the background of their home. And so I am able to get a plethora of information. I'll say, hey, that's a nice stuffed bunny rabbit <laughs> on you know, there. You tease them a little bit. But um, you really get a chance to see somebody and who they are by what they present in the background. Because when they first came to Costa Rica's call center, Christian, they fill out their resume and put in all the bells and whistles and watch you to hire them. But I ask them to write about a coming-of-age moment on the back so I can gauge their English and grammar levels, but also I get to learn something about them, and they'll tell a great story of when they won. But when you really get to see the things in their home and how proud they are of that, um, it enables me to have 50 more connections virtually that I might not have had here on site unless they disclose that to me. So, my friend, it's just an adjustment, and I need to adjust with it. And if it takes doing that, because that's the way society is today, then chin up and shoulders back and chest out, and I'll just potentially do it the best I can. I'll even wear a suit for them, presume, <laughs> just to make them feel better. So that's the least I could do for them when they're far away. But maybe the final thoughts that I give them or The sincere talks that we've had might even have more of a lasting effect than if they were just here with me at the center.
1: Well, it sounds like you're embracing that change. And as we know, change can be very disruptive, but that disruption also innovation is born out of, right? And we're able to grow and change, which is ourselves really important. Now, with that said, when someone starts their journey with you, and you mentioned that you like getting somebody that is new, they aren't seasoned, they haven't been conditioned or molded in a way that may not mesh or really become part of your culture, that first day, that feeling of that new chapter in your life, in your career, what do you feel that your business does on that first day that not only differentiates you, but makes it important in that one day to make them feel this is the place for me and this is where I'm going to
0: continue my journey? I think the best thing for me to tell them is that they're earning a living from their education. The fact that you are actually earning one of the higher vocation paid positions in Costa Rica because you're bilingual and invested in that is an excellent way to start. Because a lot of the time you'll study something in college and all of a sudden you're doing something else in your career. I myself chose a language and so did they. And so before anything, that's the sort of foundation training I have. I also let them relax a little bit by knowing that they have um, a sidekick. You always need a co-pilot. My co-pilot in rhetoric was the thesaurus. Absolutely. I can always upgrade a conversation or a word. Let me give you the best example. I don't particularly like to use the word help on the phone. As you know, someone could get offended. It could cause rabbit holes and wasted time, and then you're doing U-turns in conversation to fix what you broke. I would much prefer to use words like guide, assist, and lend a hand so that immediately they're gaining three additional vocabulary words that they might have known but might have not used. So they will be increasing their vocabulary on a daily basis for things in their project or just on their own interest. So since English is their second language, they would much be able to increase their ability to express themselves properly. So there's no miscommunication. And so I find that they believe they're taking not advantage of, but they know that they're double and tripling their experience and their skill sets here. So they become much more marketable. In fact, you brought up something interesting. Offshoring was so big, still is in India and the Philippines, but near shore is getting big too because of the proximity to the United States, the time zone, Spanish language capacity, our skill sets here because we have companies such as HP, Intel, Oracle, and Amazon are here. Christian, they are scooping up all of the level one tech and customer support. So you and I, my friend, have to bring in the freshmen. You have to for scalability and you have to because of the labor pool. We're not as large as other places, but it still packs a punch. So a lot of the clients of mine want me to bring in 10 aces and I have to let them know there might be some sprinkled freshmen in there that in my opinion, we could possibly. Some of my brand new hires that have never worked in a center before are my supervisors. And so are my top producers. And so I give anybody with skills the benefit of the doubt, but to answer your question, they are earning money on their education They are paying back that education in English, and I will increase those English skills so they can fall back on that in regards to their base of confidence in the way they would deliver a phone call. Well, I love how the
1: educator
0: part of you, the
1: building up of others, the investment into other people is literally just part of your day to day. Um, inside and outside of of work. And I, I can see that people will absolutely embrace that who want their cup filled. With that said, 2022 is already on the way. What are you most looking
0: forward to in the
1: rest of this year?
0: I want to build back the seats that I lost. I took a shot in COVID, but I didn't get knocked out. It takes a little bit more to do that. And so I want to gain those seats back. And from the sort of phone calls that I've been receiving and attention that's been happening lately, I believe that I should be looking for some additional space. I can put 300 seats in my current center, but with the labor laws and the distances between the agents, unfortunately, if you are planning on growing and having to have some sort of on-site premise, you, you need to expand. And so I'm excited for that. I'm also excited to see more of my family this year. I realize that time does go by fast. And so I think you had a lot of reflection in the last two years. So I think I, I guess, made peace with some things, came to grips with some things and realized to seize your day. So as you see my excitement today, this is how I'm going to live every day. So 2022 is going to be a wonderful year for me for just being just being very happy and just being relentlessly positive and maybe becoming a little more humble and just any sort of personal interaction I have because we've been isolated for so long, I am going to enjoy every second. I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm going to look at you <laughs> so I can remember you when we're together. Well. Wow. I
1: couldn't put any of what you said any better than you did. And it's great that we had you on today's episode. I can't thank you enough for being here. One of the great things that we have when we have these great conversations and we get to know one another is to really genuinely see what it is that drives us. And I I just, I'm so excited for all the people that you're gonna interact with this year because it's so infectious when someone's having a bad day and when they're having a good day. And the fact that there's gonna be a lot of people rubbing shoulders with you digitally or in person, uh, I think they're all going to be in for a pleasant surprise if they don't know you. So Richard, thanks so much for coming, as I had mentioned. But look, there's going to be people that want to connect with you. They want to connect with your business. They want to do business with you, or they want to just learn from
0: you and become your friend. How do they get a hold of you? Several different ways. You can call me, 888-271-6750. You can send me an email at, CEO at CostaRicas Callcenter.com. You can join my Facebook page. There's 94,000 Ticos on there, so you get to really see what this market's about. And uh, you can go to our website, CostaRica'sCallCenter.com, or you can come and visit me. And I would love to host you here. I'd love to have lunch with you here. I'd love to spend time with you here. And I have even more suggestions for you and your audience anytime they want to give me a call. But once again, Christian this was an excellent time. I learned a lot. I can't wait to hear more of your podcasts and communicate with you. And once I'm back in the United States and in your territory, I'm going to come visit you. Well, don't threaten me with a good time. I look forward to that as well. So everyone,
1: thanks so much for joining today. We appreciate your time. We know you can spend it anywhere else. That wraps up this episode and we wish you well. Talk to you soon.
0: Bye-bye.